Hello, my name is Jan C. Scruggs. I'm the founder of the National Vietnam Veterans Memorial. It's on the mall in the, in the shadow of the Lincoln Memorial. This uh, was my idea and I formed an organization and fought the battles, got it built. And uh, once it was built, we had other things to do, other projects. We put together a corporate council of uh, successful business leaders who were Vietnam veterans. And I am with today, Bill Cooper, who has been a, an extraordinary success in business uh, as an entrepreneur and as a business leader uh, uh, with uh, Business Week and uh, Golf Week. I mean, he's, he's just had quite a career. So, Mr. Cooper, how did you end up in Vietnam? Yeah, Jan. Well, first of all, it's great to see you again. It's great to hear you again. Um, we, you know, the war was raging on. 1967, I graduated college, and I didn't want to duck the war. I wanted to serve our country, and I enlisted. I signed up for Officer Candidate School at Fort Belvoir and Engineers, um, and then went on first to get there. I had to go to AIT and Fort Dix and fractured my ankle in a couple bad ways, but unbelievable as it may sound, they sent me to start officer candidate school with a, with a cast up past my knee. So uh, they looked at me and they said, they sh you should have never sent you down here. And what are we gonna do with you? And so you, we're gonna put you in the officer record uh, section of the regiment and you're gonna just, heal up and then we're going to figure out when you're going to get recycled and all of a sudden now i'm i'm now looking at what was a two and a half year three-year obligation becomes a five-year obligation so i decided not to get recycled for ocs and just roll the dice and take a chance for my remaining two years and so i served in the officer candidate regiment uh, for about nine months, 10 months. And um, I, I learned all about officer records and how to take care of officer records. And, and in fact, started a little donut business. Um, every afternoon, we would call around to the post and see who wanted glazed donuts. And I, I do not remember how I came up with that idea, but it, it, I think it really sort of took my mind off the subject and it was a lot of fun. But then Bam, 12 months to a day, I get the levy to go to Vietnam. And uh, we landed uh, exactly on the first day of the Tet Offensive. We thought that our world airline charter would be blown up because it was the very first anniversary of Tet. Uh, it wasn't. I ended up then being flown up to Anke in the Central Highlands uh, to do jungle warfare training for the first CAV. But, and I am a lucky guy. My mother said I was born in Sunday, the Lord's Day, so I'm a lucky guy. Um, they noticed that I had officer record experience at, in my profile, and they pulled me out. And I, as the months went on up in the Highlands, I became sort of the guy who in-processed and out-processed majors all the way up to the commanding general of the first cab. That was the good news. The bad news was I did. I had to do over 200 hours of uh, of flying to the Cambodian border and back at Phuc Phuc Van and Tainan, 
and then being going back then to Anke, and then they moved me working out of Long Bend. Now I got my first impression of Long Bend was unbelievable. It's massive. It was it was the second busiest airport in the world in 1969 after O'Hare, and. Um, I had I had some back office duty, but basically I'm back on the plane flying the Cambodian border. But when I was in Long Bin, I found a guy, a South Vietnamese, who was working in the kitchen. And I said to him, I'm looking around at Long Bin. I mean, there's a motor pool and there's IB guys from IBM that got drafted are working on these big air conditioned vans. And the people in the hospital, I said, I talked to this guy and see if he can make glazed donuts. And I had him, I had him give a couple tries on his glazed donuts. A couple of them came out like golf balls, but in the at the end, he really had a great way of making glazed donuts. So we actually, and the guy that worked for me at Corporal, we would make phone calls every morning, even though I might might be flying and coming back and forth. We've been making phone calls around Long Bin without really the authority of the U.S. Army saying, okay, how many do you want this morning? And we're calling the motor pool and the hospital. And, and it, it, it was fun because it took you out of your, your mind. It took the mind off the subject of where we were. And we actually made a couple bucks. Um, and we connected with a whole bunch of GIs that way. And it, it was really cool. And I did have a little sense of humor when I got I was on my way back to the U.S. when I turned to this young corporal, Hamilton Dawes was his name, and I said, someday, my son, all of this will be yours. And it was a, it was a hell of an experience, uh, but I was proud to serve and, and proud to experience it, um, but obviously wouldn't want to have to do it again. Well, I think you made a significant contribution to the war effort with these glazed donuts. I believe uh, it's important as well for your own mental health. You had something to think about whether you were going to get shot the next day. So give me, what are your, what's your biggest regret while you were in the Vietnam? Yeah, you know, Jan, uh, this is an interesting one because my biggest regret was not writing down all the graffiti that our guys left behind uh, along the walls of the chow halls, along the walls of the hooches, along the walls of the latrines. There was some great, great prose and perspectives um, that the American GIs were leaving all over the place. And I, so many times I stood there and I started reading and the only one I could remember was I'm standing there reading this on a, on a wooden thing by a chow hall. And I said, General Westmoreland sleeps with a light, a, a light night, a nightlight. General Westmoreland sleeps with a nightlight, which in itself was a sort of a strategic message. And I, had I ever had a pad and pencil and I had written my regret is I didn't write them all down because it would have made a hell of a book because it would have told you what was in the minds of the U.S. soldiers while they were over there. And I, I regret that one because it would have been worth sharing. Well, you had, you had, why didn't you just use your iPhone to take a picture of it? <laughs> yeah, there was oh, that's, right. that's right. 
Now, uh, what's the most interesting moment you had? Yeah, yeah, you know, Jan, get this. Uh, I had something to eat one day, obviously, in uh, South Vietnam, and I, I felt pretty lousy. And I went to the, uh, the hospital. And have you ever gotten a question that you already know the answer? And the guy was looking um, at a stool sample in, the, in a microscope like this. Mm -hmm. And he asked the question, have you ever had intestinal worms before? And immediately I would say no. And immediately he would say, well, you got them now. Huh. Uh -huh. That was my most in interesting moment. Yeah. Um, so that took about seven days of antibiotics and sleeping in my mosquito uh, covered bed. And do you have a most special moment of your well, you know, one of my most proudest, my most proudest moments uh, when I was serving, I took R&R to Japan. Now, get this. It's July, I think. And it's Japan. And I'm in the Ginza. I'm wearing a uniform. I am standing in front of the Sony building, which has like 30 TVs. And this is 1969. And at that very moment, the Americans had just landed on the moon. So I am now in at the Ginza in front of Sony building, looking at all these TVs with Americans landing on the moon. And I've got a hundred Japanese all around me shaking my hand, shaking my hand, congratulating me. And I have nothing to do with it. As an American, it was an unbelievable experience. I mean, you talk about being at the right place at the right time. Um, it was exactly the moment that Neil Armstrong and company got on the moon. And, and I got maybe a, 200 handshakes from Japanese people <laughs> right there at that moment. So I would have to say that was one of my proudest moments, you know, other than serving my country. And one day, maybe we will all get our hands shaken again for being Americans and, uh, Right. Putting the first man or woman on the moon. Who knows? Right. Now, look, uh, what I want to try to do here is tie together a couple of things. The importance of entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, not just the guys like Steve Jobs or whatever, but guys like you, guys like the guy who runs his little hot dog stand down in Annapolis, guys like the people who have a little local coffee shop. You know, they want their own business. And, uh, they provide services that are so important. People cut our hair. So we've got the importance of entrepreneurship, and we've got your your time in Vietnam, and we have this brilliant career. We want to find out how you became the publisher of Business Week, and how you became the editor of Golf Week, because I know you're an, an avid golfer. And we'll tie that all together with someone else. George Armstrong, Custer, and Captain Benteen. But you'll see how brilliantly this will all come together now. <clears throat> how did you end up as publisher of this? Yeah. How did you yeah. do that? I, you know, I think if you have, uh, I think that one of the most important things is to set goals for yourself. And um, what, whether you're in the service or you're, you're coming out of the service, and you say to yourself, you know, what's my passion? What, what what would come out of my pores every morning going to work? Well, the answer is you've you got to do something that you really enjoy. I mean, if you enjoy the hot dog stand 
and and fulfilling a need and delivering what people want to buy and eat, uh, then that's fine and that's good. I mean, it's um, very rewarding. It's very rewarding. So I said to myself that I wanted to uh, work at Sports Illustrated. And when I knocked on the door, they said, well, congratulations, Bill. You've now separated yourself from only 4% of American males in the country because everybody wants to work at Sports Illustrated. So I figured a way by working in media and working for another sports magazine, one each, each for a year, to go back to Sports Illustrated with my goal, and I got hired. And then I once in, I was 14 years with Sports Illustrated in Detroit, St. Louis, and New York, and then had the opportunity to run the international editions of Time. And I have to tell you, back then, Time was, was big time. And uh, I think I shared with you, there was a moment while I was visiting Hyundai in South Korea, where, you know, my, as the head of international Time, my bio would be sent out ahead. And there I'm in the lobby of Hyundai. I guess it was like 1988. And out came the CEO and gave me a big hug. He was a big guy. And again, he saw that I was served with the U.S. forces in Vietnam. And he was with the South Korean forces in Vietnam. And as you know, the VC really was were so fearful of the South Korean fighters. And anyway, it was a marvelous business moment, but it was also a, nar- a marvelous moment of, you know, two people that served their countries, you know, for what we thought was the good. And, um, and I just share that with you. And so I, um, I also, I forgot to tell you. So anyway, and so then after time, I ended up going over to uh, Business Week, and I am, I I did end up running Business Week, and that was uh, for the last seven years. And I I had the honor of working on the corporate council for the the Vietnam Veteran Memorial Fund, um, which try I tried to identify CEOs and corporate people that had Vietnam experience so that they could help fund and donate to the wall as well. And that's where I had the pleasure of meeting you. But there was one moment every year, the executive committee of the Magazine Publishers Association would go to Washington, usually in July, and we would meet with the Postmaster General. And every year we had a speaker. And there was one year, I think it was probably 2001, where we had John McCain as a speaker. And I said to myself, uh, I've got the question, but I, I think I know how I'm going to say it. So I let the first guy ask McCann a question. And a guy came you know, from Hearst or Condé Nast. And then I went up and I said, I'm not going to say that I'm Bill, Piz- Bill Cooper, president of, uh, and publisher of McGraw-Hill Business Week. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to say, I am uh, Bill Cooper, uh, First Cavalry, Central Highland. Do you know, by the moment I finished that sentence, John McCain immediately went back at me and said, how come you didn't get me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, John. Yeah. Very amazing person. Now, to tie this all together, we're going to talk about Custer. We're going to talk about his unit. We're going to talk about Captain Benteen. 
Custer died waiting for Captain Benteen, but Captain Benteen was surrounded by Indians too. Right. You end up uh, in Vietnam with an interesting story. So why don't you tell me? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jen. I was I've always been interested in American history um, and U.S. Army history and Plains Indian history, and uh, I've read so many books on. I, I, I wrote, read as many books on JFK as I have Custer, probably more Custer, donated a lot of my books to the uh, to the West Point Library on Custer. So ever since I was, I think, in third grade, I was reading about Custer, right? So now I am now <laughs> I am now in on on a tower in the central highlands in the middle of the jungle and um, with unfriendlies in front of us and the and the and the, the jeep pulls up two guys to keep me company during the night while sergeant of the guard, which is what I was doing. And the guy, what well, first guy comes up and says, hi, my name is Ben Team. Now I said to myself, you know, is this serendipity? I mean, I've always been a, a reader of Custer. And now this guy comes up and his name is Ben Team. I said to myself, well, if it is ever going to get ha- if it's ever going to happen, if I'm ever going to get blown away, it's got to be tonight. And uh, I just thought that was an interesting moment where everything came together. Fortunately, I'm still here and I'm talking to you. Well, we want to salute you. Thank you for your service. And uh, those of us who would have, we would have been your customers because I remember waking up so many times in Vietnam, and if somebody would have handed me a place down there. It would have made my day. But this time we want to thank you and uh, we'll keep sending this uh, out. Thank you. Thank you, Jen.